0: Well, good morning. There are many labels that are being assigned to our world today. One of them is this. We are living in our new age of anxiety. Uh, That's what some are referring to in these days. But I believe today there is one truth that is a source of grace in the midst of the anxiety. And in the midst of even a politically charged climate, there is one truth. And we're going to find that truth today in the Gospel of John in chapter 18. I would invite you to look there today. Lord, thank you so much for your word and thank you for the truths that we will uncover today, that we'll recount and rediscover today. And even, Lord God, as we heard the strains of the King of my heart We're reminded that you are good. You are good. You are good, Lord God, all the time. And so may you pour your goodness out upon us, your people. You, our King, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if anyone else has noticed, but um, have you noticed that There is no shortage of people who want to give us political advice. Anyone else notice that? There's no shortage of anyone who wants to make sure you get good, sound, political advice as long as it's from their perspective, all right? I've received some of the best political advice from an attorney by the name of Justin Early, and he said this, vote for a politician, wait, for a king vote for a politician wait for a king he then goes on and says we are waiting for the king all that you hope for in that candidate that's what Jesus will bring and more it is also precisely what that candidate cannot bring you in Jesus is the justice you long for in Jesus is the rightness to the world you long for in him all will be set right Vote for a politician, but wait for a king. That's good advice for us today. Because the truth is, Jesus does not fit neatly into our political categories. And yet Jesus needs to be in the center of the politics of our lives. He needs to be in the center of that. Aside from the little circle you're going to blacken on a ballot, or maybe you've already blackened on a ballot there is a more essential vote for each and every one of us. And that is why we need to turn to one of the most politically charged scenes in the New Testament that we find in John chapter 18. Because there Jesus stands before the one person who could look at him and end his life. His name is Pilate. Now trust me, this is a very political passage of scripture, a very political scene, especially for Pilate. He is navigating political waters. And then Jesus makes it very political for anyone who chooses to follow him. So here's the backstory. Jesus has been betrayed. In fact, the the same word that describes the actions of Judas for betrayal is also used to describe the actions of the religious leaders, the religious elite. It's also used to describe the actions of Pilate himself, So at every level, we see Jesus has been betrayed. And by this time, Peter has denied him three times. Jesus has been interrogated by religious power brokers, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. And they collaborated with the ruling empire to maintain their status and their wealth and enjoy the perks of being politically connected. But in the hours spent with him... Not once, not once did the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, not once did they ask the question. The question. It was Pilate, the completely pagan Pilate, who asked him the most politically charged, dangerously explosive question that also reveals to us where we can find grace, even in the midst of anxious times. This is how it happened. This is the word of the Lord found in John 18, beginning with verse 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace. If you remember, he was talking with, negotiating with, discussing with all the religious folks what to do with Jesus. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? replied Pilate. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And if you remember then, there's that famous statement from Pilate, what is truth? This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. Jesus is a problem. He's a problem. Pilate probes him about being king. But Pilate is not concerned with Jesus being a spiritual king like we might think him to be. He's not really concerned about him being the messianic king. What Pilate is concerned about is this. Is Jesus going to undermine the empire? And therefore, is Jesus going to undermine his political position, all the things that he's benefiting from in his political position? Will Jesus undo the powers that rule, declaring lordship over all? So he asks him, are you the king of the Jews? Now, Jesus does not directly answer Pilate. But when it's kind of obvious, I think, that he's presumed guilty of this charge, he simply says, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, listen closely. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. If it were, my servants would use the worldly ways and power to get what we want. But now my kingdom is from another place. So here's the problem with Jesus. He is very dangerous. Pilate does not even recognize how dangerous Jesus is. He makes fun of his response, actually, but later we read Pilate is afraid of Jesus. We read that in chapter 19. So no longer is this the simple hillbilly carpenter from some off-backwater town that the Jewish leaders at one point probably dismissed him. No longer is he the harmless Jewish joke that Pilate made of him. Now he's a threat. But here's a question. Why was everyone now threatened by the prospects of who Jesus said he was? Why the anxiety? Why the tension over his statements about being king? Why so much fear That caused people to lie, to get their own way to power. Why? Remember I said earlier that there's an important vote, more important than any other vote that you might blacken in on a ballot? It is this. Allegiances. Allegiances. Pilate's allegiance was to Caesar. Caesar. If Caesar was happy, then Pilate could maintain his life of prosperity and control. In fact, he was so set on that, that Pilate in history is known as one of the cruelest and most bloodthirsty type of leaders. All of that to maintain his allegiance. The religious leaders, the Jewish elite in this case, they had a tarnished allegiance with the empire. They played politics to gain prosperity and control, leveraging politics to maintain their comfort. That's what the religious leaders did, allegiance. And so at this part of the story of Jesus, I'm challenged with a question personally, and that's this, where is my allegiance, really? Now, my conviction as a follower of Jesus is that I should exercise my privilege of voting. It's one way that I love my neighbor, when I seek to interject my faith into that process. But since I serve the one who said, my kingdom is not of this world, I must examine what lies behind the ballot I fill in. Now, the truth is, as you well know, I had someone knock on my door yesterday. I received about a pound of, of, uh, of material in the mail of candidates. Whenever I see our mailman, I tell him I can't wait till the day after election day because my mail goes from so thick to nothing. It's a wonderful thing. But the reality is all of that is calling for our allegiance to a platform or a candidate or a party. And though that seems perhaps right based on the world's point of view, the most important question for the follower of Jesus, whose kingdom is not of this world, is this. It is for me. It's what I sense the Lord saying to me. And that's simply, Jeff, who is your Lord? Where does your allegiance lie? Will my vote be a vote for the Lordship of Jesus? When faith meets earth, jesus said we're to pray father your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven that's a subversive prayer your kingdom come god first and then later in paul's declaration from a roman prison where he is a political prisoner in jail he writes a letter with these famous words from Philippians. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And that was the earliest confession, one of the earliest confessions of the Christian church. Jesus Christ is Lord. When threatened by Pilate, with the wrath of political power that he could bring upon Jesus, it was that Lord's response that struck fear in Pilate. In chapter 19, he said this to Pilate, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Something we need to think about. Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the confession of faith that must guide our approach, not only to an election, but to life. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, I'm indebted to Rich Valotis, who created what is called a diagnostic for determining your Lord. A diagnostic for determining your Lord. Seven points on this diagnostic. So these help me gain perspective in these days. Let's look at them quickly. Number one, you know Jesus is Lord. When whoever gets elected, we are not paralyzed with anxiety. Amen. There are real issues at stake that concern us. We know that. Yet when we allow our fears and our anxiety and our anger to permeate our hearts and rob us of peace, are we losing sight of whose we really are and who has hold of us? One of my favorite passages which I default to, you probably have now heard me say it many times, is Colossians 1.17. Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together, including elections, right? All things hold together. So whoever gets elected, we're not paralyzed with anxiety. You know Jesus is Lord when you love and pray for those you disagree with. That's an important statement for us. Is the church more like the world or more like the kingdom in this polarizing season? You know, it is the Lord our King, the King of our heart. It is the Lord our King, the King of the universe, who said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And and check this out, that you may be children of your Father in heaven, so that you may be identified fundamentally, by your family, family lineage with Christ, that you are children of your father in heaven. So here's a question. How have you been praying for Donald Trump? How have you been praying for Joe Biden? How have you been praying for the political season and, and how have you been praying for, uh, for the church in the midst of it? Are we praying that we may be the children of our Father in heaven? Be known as that, right? So you know Jesus is Lord when you pray for those you may disagree with. You know Jesus is Lord when we confess limits and blind spots. Uh, Rich Vlotus went on to say this, When we are in the thick of it, it's easy to focus on the sins of the left side and the right side and pay no attention to our inside right? It's either amen or oh me at that point. But hear that again. When we're in the thick of it, it's easy to focus on the sins of the left side and the right side and pay no attention to our insides. And so we have to be careful that we we do not um, risk politically seeing the speck of sawdust in our brother's eye, but pay no attention to the plank in our own eye. And the truth is, if Jesus is Lord, then that means I am not. And then there's this real possibility that I may be wrong, right? Or at least I may not be seeing things as they ought to be seen. I need to factor in my limits and my blind spots that I have in my life. And here's why that's so important. The way Peter put it, he said, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And that's one of the things that God repeatedly says over and over in Scripture. One of the the most damaging sins is the sin of pride and arrogance. And so I need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, please, Help me understand my limits and my blind spots. I confess those to you. Lord, I surrender those to you. Help me see them. You know Jesus is Lord next when we don't anoint a candidate or a party as God's candidate or party. Now that's really important for us because we're all tempted in some form or fashion, again, to try to fit it all together under our faith. Eugene Cho is accurate when he says followers of Jesus should not be in bed with any of the political parties. When we allow political allegiances to identify us, we become tempted to distort the Bible to justify our politics and our allegiances. We need to be open to thinking whether or not we're doing that. Because you see, we must recognize that the provider of all good things for us is not found in the election, but in Jesus Christ. So to treat a party or a candidate as ultimate is dangerous. It can be idolatrous. You know, in in the scriptures, we read these words. We know the whole world is under the control of the evil one. But Jesus Christ is the true God. Keep yourselves from idols. What a good word of instruction. Remember what Paul said earlier when he was writing that letter to the Philippians? He said, Jesus Christ is Lord. And when he said that, he was using political language That was reserved in his time for, you know, declaring Caesar's lordship. That Caesar was Lord. But when he was saying that, he was saying, Caesar is not Lord. Nor any Caesars are Lord. Only Christ is Lord. And so that should cause us to to think again about our allegiances. And then you know Jesus is Lord when the Lord's concerns become our concerns. When you go into the Sermon on the Mount, some have referred to it, many have referred to it as the constitution of the kingdom of God. I love that designation. Everything from relationships to truthfulness, to the poor, to those unlike us, to the issues of pride, to worry, to spiritual discernment, and so many other things are listed there. What we do with our enemies, what we do with love, what we do with forgiveness, all those things. Life is listed in the Sermon on the Mount. You can go to Matthew 25 and you can see what Jesus really values. What is it that Jesus really values? Well, when you read Matthew 25, you find out that he values the least. And For us, that's the poor, the unborn, the widow, the orphan, the imprisoned, the refugee, and others who are finding themselves in compromised positions who are the least. And so when I start... Um, realizing that he is my lord that means his concerns become my concerns and so then when he says seek first god's kingdom and his righteousness in the middle of the sermon on the mount i then realize that i need to start by also thinking about what concerns him and letting that rule my life my decisions and then you know you truly believe jesus is lord when We listen more to Jesus' voice than prevailing voices. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I am easily sucked into the political vortex of information of our day. Um, I have to limit my exposure. Isn't this appropriate? Just right now, I popped up weekly report available. It's telling me how much I've been on my phone this week. How appropriate is that? I have to put my phone away Personally, this is a personal confession time. I have to put my phone away with intention to limit my exposure to my news feed because I am tempted not once but multiple times in a day to type in news and let that inform me. And sometimes when I do that, you know what happens? I get anxious. So I have to literally put that away fast from that in points of the day Whether it's the misleading mailers or the harsh social media posts or the biased news coverage or that link that always calls me to check the news. Whose voice matters most is the question I have to ask myself. And so what would happen? Here's something practical, especially for the next nine days. What would happen if you committed to fasting from the news feed and feasting on the scripture. Fasting from the news feed and feasting maybe on the Sermon on the Mount. What if for the next nine days you took Matthew 5 through 7 and you feasted on that while fasting from the news? I'm not telling you to bury your head in the sand and not know what's going on, but maybe find some points of fasting in the day. This is why spending time with God in these days, for me anyway, is critical. And those words from the psalmist mean so much. Be still and know that I am God. Because there's so much noise around me. Maybe I just need to be more still and know that he's God. And then I can orient my motivations and my attitudes and my actions and words towards the Lord of all who loves all and wants to reveal his love to all through us. Last one. You know you truly believe Jesus is Lord when you live with a hope that makes no sense to the world. When you live with a hope that makes no sense to the world. See, we have a secret. Though it's not really much of a secret, but we have a secret. We know this. We know that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord someday. We know that. And that includes whomever is going to be president. That includes anyone we can imagine. And so because we know that, we know this, Jesus will remain in all things. And this is what we know about our Lord. This is what we know about our Lord. This is what scripture teaches us. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. You see, that is such good news because that is what we live toward. And that is what we seek to live out. Why? Because we know this. We know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we're going to look at that more closely, this idea of hope the week after the election. But he will make all things right as only he can. And that brings us hope as only the true Lord can. So we've entered into this, this exchange between Pilate and Jesus. And, and this begins a long section in the Gospel of John where the drama of Jesus as king is played out. And frankly, when we get to the end of it, we get to a dead end, or what seems like a dead end. We come to a political disappointment, and that's the cross. But in the cross, Jesus reveals His kingdom is above all kingdoms. Especially the kingdom of our hearts. You know, the kingdom where selfishness and materialism and individualism and pride want to rule. The kingdom where anxiety and fear want to set up shop. There's no president that can deal with that kingdom. No law, no legislation that can deal with that kingdom. But the Lord of the universe, that's his specialty. The kingdom of our hearts. Remember what Jesus said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. No, it's not of this world. But it is an alternative in the midst of this world. Jesus also said to Pilate, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Could the alternative to the kingdoms of the world be a kingdom of people anchored in the truth that Jesus is Lord? Could that people be the alternative whose lives reveal to the world around them the kingdom of that savior whose fundamental desire is to see a world made right, where his love conquers all the isms we hold on to, where he is the king of our hearts. Are we the alternative people, part of his kingdom, where he is the king of our hearts? No matter who is in the White House, who sits on the Supreme Court, who walks the halls of Congress. Jesus Christ is Lord. And gratefully, gratefully, I'm not and you're not and no one else is. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory and praise of God the Father. And that is the King who wants to govern our lives and govern them rightly. Amen. I'm going to ask our instrumentalists if they would come to their instruments and as we listen to the strains of take my life and let it be, I would invite you in these moments to think about one thing. I'd invite you to reflect on Jesus Christ is Lord. And then fill in the blank. Jesus Christ is Lord of? Jesus Christ is Lord of what area for you? What place for you? What point of anxiety in this day of societal anxiety is the place where Jesus needs to be Lord? Where is it in your own life that you just need to remember that the Lord of the universe is holding you. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory and praise of God the Father. In a moment, we will go from this place. But before we're dismissed, may we remember and may we go as the people who declare with our lives Jesus is Lord. And let us reflect on that today as you hear the strains of this music before we're dismissed. Remember, Jesus is Lord and where is it in your life where you just need him to be the Lord of all? Jesus Christ is Lord.